Good morning, church family. Good morning. Uh, we're talking about celebration today. Why don't you give the Lord a hand clap of praise in celebration? You can do better than that, WFR. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. All right, it is good to be with you. Um, want to mention a couple of housekeeping things first. And my beautiful bride, I want you to see this. If our stream family can see this online here, my beautiful bride has given me a handwritten note so that I don't miss any of our housekeeping announcements. Uh, the first, you'll find these in your bulletin. They're also on our app. Uh, Wednesday, which is the third, right after our peak of the week service, I personally would love for you to bring your favorite batch of homemade ice cream to WFR for an ice cream social that we're going to have after peak of the week this Wednesday. I will sample yours. No guarantees I'm bringing any, but I promise you I will give yours a good once over. All right, so it's summer. We're doing a lot together with our families. We want to offer you a lot of opportunity to spend time with your forever family here at WFR. So the third is our ice cream social. Uh, the fourth on Thursday, we would love to see you celebrate Independence Day at Logtown Plantation, uh, Jason Missy's place. They have graciously offered to host a celebration for the 4th of July for our church family. You got to bring your own chow and a dessert for other people to sample and to try. So you bring your own burgers, hot dogs. You can bring steak if you bring steak. Bring an extra one for your preacher, all right? Uh, whatever kind of food you want, you bring it. You eat your own chow. We all share desserts. That's at Log, Logtown Plantation at 5 p.m. There will be a fireworks show there, a professional fireworks show. Uh, there are no personal fireworks allowed at Logtown Plantation, so don't bring any of your own fireworks for those of you pyromaniacs in the office, but do come and enjoy a professional fireworks show. Again, we'll be out there starting at 5 p.m. Fireworks probably around 8.30 or 9. Bring your own blanket or lawn chair, your own dinner again, and a dessert to share. This handwritten note, can we get a hand clap for my bride who got, this was perfect. I didn't miss any of those points. Uh, praise the Lord. Uh, open your Bible, if you would, to Luke chapter 2. I'm going to be jumping around a couple of different places. I'm going to start in Luke 2. We have been learning about the local church. And when you and I, which we are the body of Christ, when we get together, uh, the church happens. You and I are the church. The church isn't necessarily a building. Uh, we call church sometimes the plate by the name of the place that we meet, a church building. But you and I are the church. And when we get together, you and I find our mission to live out. We have a mission to live. We get that when we get together. Uh, when we get together, we find examples to follow. I've thought about this a lot over the last couple of weeks. You should be living a spiritual life worth replicating. Is your spiritual life worth replicating? I hope that it is. When the church gets together, we find men and women who have been walking with Christ and following Christ for a long time. And when we don't necessarily know what to do in life, we can follow the men and women that God's put in our life as they follow after Christ to help us grow closer to Christ. Those are the examples we get to follow. We also get a family to love. We get people to really show the love of the Lord too. This is the kind of love that pushes us to our breaking point and past it. 
That's the love of Jesus. When he carried our cross, it took him to his breaking point. Simon of Cyrene then has to help him carry the cross. And Jesus finishes that work by being crucified on Golgotha, pushing himself past even his breaking point. That's the love of Jesus Christ. We get the opportunity to show our church family that kind of love. We also get a place to celebrate. That's what I want to talk to you about today. Celebration is tied to joy, and to worship. And celebration becomes absolutely a way of life for those whose lives have been transformed by the Lord Jesus Christ. An attitude of celebration fuels our walk with the Lord and just almost becomes natural as we understand how to live in the grace and mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, you and I have busy schedules with lots to do and a lot of unpredictability in the 168 hours that God gives us each week to live on. So we gather together consistently to have a place and time in our schedule where corporately we can get together as a church family and celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ together. At WFR, we really value our Sunday morning assembly. Can I get an amen? We value our Sunday morning assembly. And three really important values. I'm going to do some housekeeping real quick this morning. Three really important values are fellowship, Bible study, and discipleship. Fellowship, Bible study, and discipleship. We really value that here at WFR. Uh, If it's true, and it is, we talked about this last week, that the world will know we are disciples of Jesus by the way we love one another. Fellowship is extremely important. And truly, our thoughts and awareness of God shape our whole entire life. That's why we need to study God's Word. That's why we offer Bible class on Sunday morning to give you an opportunity to dig deeper. I was listening to that uh, heartfelt uh, commercial, that, that heartfelt video. And I thought, man, if they, if they could speed up my sermon like that, I could really dig into the Bible more deeply in each lesson, right? And I could do two hours of material in one hour of time. Don't say amen right there, okay? But I don't have the time to do that, so we offer Bible class to give you the opportunity to be taught uh, God's Word from men who have really uh, spent a lot of time studying the Bible. And in September, and I've talked some about this, and I want to plug this again right now, we are going to roll out our Rooted Experiences. And our Rooted Experiences are designed to be about an hour and a half long. And I don't know about you, but for lots of us, for me, it would be hard to find an extra hour and a half in my schedule each week. So we want to provide an opportunity for you to get involved in Rooted during your Sunday morning assembly routine. And as leaders, we don't necessarily have that all completely ironed out, but we are praying that God helps us make some decisions that allow us to be surgically precise with how we spend our Sunday morning assembly time. And so we're making decisions that will allow us to approach fellowship, Bible study, and discipleship with excellence. As leaders, we're trying to make decisions related to our Sunday morning assembly that allow us to approach fellowship, Bible study, and discipleship with excellence. So I want you praying about those decisions our leaders are talking about and praying about and considering making. 
As that information becomes available to me, I'll make it available to you. We're not going to make these huge monumental changes. We're not going to combine worship styles, you know, and have a cappella and instrumental service at once in the same auditorium. But we do want to make some decisions that, again, allow us to be excellent in those three areas. So I'm, I'm trying to do as good of a job as I can as a, as a family to keep us informed. And I want you to just be paying attention to that information as it starts to roll out. Um, in his book, Celebration of Discipline, I came ac- across a quote this morning that's really useful to our discussion today. Celebration is central to all the spiritual disciplines according to Richard Foster. Now consider that for just a moment, if you would. Celebration is central to all spiritual disciplines. And we're talking about spiritual disciplines. We're talking about studying God's Word, fasting, praying, meditating on the Word of God, gathering together as a, as a corporate assembly. And central to all of that is celebration. Celebration should naturally follow the transforming work of Jesus Christ in our lives. When I consider who I used to be, the broken man that I was, and that God has remade me into the image of His Son and imputed the righteousness of Christ into my life, that moves me naturally to celebration. But what happens when life kicks us in the teeth? What happens when we enter into a season that feels as dark and deep as the valley of the shadow of death itself? In that moment, celebration becomes more of a discipline than it does something that happens naturally. If we will practice this discipline by staying focused on the Lord Jesus Christ, what we'll find is that we can have an attitude of celebration through all of life's seasons. Those that are very blessed and those that feel like a struggle. And this is how Jesus' ministry, his life on earth, actually starts out. Jesus' presence in the world moves men and women all over the world to joy, to celebrate, to worship. That's our text from Luke chapter 2. There are some shepherds in their field doing their daily grind just having an evening like so many they've had in the past. And in, in, in Luke chapter 2 and verse 8, God's Word tells us this story. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keep, keeping walk over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appears to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. For I bring you good news that will cause great joy. I love this phrase, for all the people. For every man, woman, and child all over the globe, the news of Jesus' birth and the the coming of the Messiah promotes joy, provokes joy in every single person across the globe. That good news is that God has come to rescue His people. God's come to save His people. God has come to dwell powerfully with His people once more. God's dwelt with His people in unique ways over time. There's been a couple of ways the Scripture describes God has dwelt with His people. The first, you'll recall, is the tabernacle. 
In Exodus chapter 25, God gives Moses the instructions for the tabernacle. He says, have the Israelites make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. Now, at this moment in time, the Israelites have just been delivered from captivity in Egypt. They were in captivity for 430 years. For 430 years, they were under the pain of slavery with no place to worship God and no freedom to practice their religion. So God raised up this leader named Moses to lead his people out of this bondage of slavery. And God sent plagues and passed over the the nation of Egypt and led his people out and, and parted the waters of the Red Sea and then caused those waters to crash together when the Egyptian army was in pursuit of the Israelites. God did all these miracles and no doubt there were some Israelites who had lost touch with how powerful their God was. And God does all these miracles and then tells them, I want you to make a place where I can dwell with you. And God dwelt over his people. I can imagine the Israelites having so much security in knowing that the God who can send plagues and part the sea was the same God who wanted to dwell among them in this tent called the tabernacle. When the, when the seasons of life got difficult, the Israelites no doubt could say to themselves, Hey, remember the God who created the whole universe, the same God who brought the plagues on Israel, the same God who parted the Red Sea, the same God who gives us manna from heaven and quail when we're hungry and can bring water from a rock is the same God who dwells in this tabernacle amongst us. And that was a cause for celebration. They view God as mighty and powerful and sovereign and ruling king. And he dwelt over them and they worshipped him and they celebrated him because of the miracles God worked in their lives. Going to the dwelling place of God as he was Lord over his people moved them to celebrate. Eventually God, after 40 years on a long trek, would lead them To the land of promise. And God's dwelling place would not any longer be movable. It'd become permanent. And that was called the temple. In 1 Kings chapter 6, we get a description of this moment in time, starting in verse 11. The word of the Lord came to Solomon. As for the temple, God's telling Solomon that you are building. If you follow my decrees and observe my laws and keep all my commands and obey them... I will fulfill through you the promise I gave to David your father and I will live among the Israelites and will not abandon my people Israel. Now at this moment it had been 480 years, if you got your Bible handy and you're in 1 Kings 6, 480 years since they left Egypt. So they wander around, they make it to the land of promise, they conquer some lands, they make some serious mistakes. Eventually God establishes David's throne, his son Solomon's throne gets established, and Solomon builds God's temple in Jerusalem. But God's people have become familiar with him at this point. They know his power, they know his mercy, they know his grace, and at this moment they also know his judgment and punishment. 
And God uh, builds his temple through Solomon, and his dwelling becomes with the people. With the people. The tabernacle I sensed God over the people. Man, it was fresh for them. It was new. It was powerful. The miracles promoted awe. And the God of the universe that dwelt among them made them feel secure. And they celebrated. But now they had a permanent home. They were no longer nomads. They were people who were settled in the place God had promised them. And they had a permanent place that God dwelt that they could celebrate the Lord in. And once a year, the priest got to enter the most holy place of the temple, the area where the very presence of God dwelt. This once a year entrance into the most holy place is called the Day of Atonement. And it's the day that the priest would make atonement or ask forgiveness through sacrifice for the, for the sins of the Israelite nation. You'd have to go to Leviticus Chapter 16 and verse 2 to get this. But if the priest made one wrong move in the Holy of Holies, in the presence of God, the priest would be struck dead. How awesome, how powerful, how great and majestic is our God that in his presence, one wrong move could mean certain death. This was a place totally respected and revered by all the nation of Israel. And the holiest place had to be separated from all other places on earth by a veil that provided people and creation protection from the presence of God. It provided a barrier. God is so great, He is so powerful, and He is so awesome that to be in His presence meant death. So God designs a specific place, selects a specific person, the priest, and a specific day that an individual can come into his presence and make atonement for sin. But you see, that changes. In Matthew 27, Mark 15, and Luke 23, we get the record of an incredible story. That Jesus' crucifixion, opened up the veil and tore it in two, and the dwelling place of God would no longer be in the temple in the most holy place. The presence of God would no longer be isolated to a specific location, and human beings no longer had to be protected by a barrier from the awesome and powerful presence of God. Instead, in the New Testament, God's dwelling becomes with His people. And not just with them, but in fact, within his people. To the church at Corinth, Paul says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred. Listen to this, church. And you together are are that temple. God's dwelling in the tabernacle was over His people. In the temple, it was with and among. And today, by the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, the veil has been torn in two, and the presence of God has been made available to all who have been transformed by the good news of the coming of His Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How awesome and powerful and holy and worshipful and joy 
promoting that the presence of God can manifest itself in my life and I don't fall over dead anymore when I make a mistake. Or I don't go blind because the presence of God's manifested itself in my life. Or that I don't fall down weak at the knee, crumbling in God's presence. Because the love and sacrifice of Jesus Christ has allowed me, a broken, messed up, flawed human being, to be the vessel that contains the presence of God. That's cause to celebrate. Augustine of Hippo was so moved by this truth that he says this. A Christian should be an alleluia. From head to foot. Alleluia translated means praise the Lord. From head to foot, your DNA, every fiber of your being should be an alleluia. Because your flawed self can be the container for the presence of the Spirit of Almighty God. Church, that should excite us. That should move us to celebrate. And so we gather together each week to celebrate that. We celebrate who God is. That's what we celebrate. I don't have time to give you all these names. I chose a few that are meaningful to me. And I hope at one point God allows me the opportunity to really teach through these and do them justice. Who is God? What do we celebrate about this majestic, almighty creator of the universe? The Bible describes God in a few very distinct ways. In Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14, God tells Moses, I am that I am. That means God is the self-existent one. Everything that's created depends on something else for its sustenance. We can't stay alive on a deserted island by ourselves from, for very long. I, I know I certainly couldn't. I require about 10,000 calories a day and three or four liters of water each day. Okay? Everything created depends on something else for its sustenance. God depends on nothing. He is self-existent, self-sufficient, and self-sustaining. God needs nothing to exist outside himself. What a powerful God. He is Almighty God. That's El Shaddai in Genesis 35 verse 11. God makes a promise to Jacob and says, From you I will make a mighty nation. That's impossible for a God who is not all-powerful to take a little man with a couple of children and from that group of people make a nation that is prosperous and blesses every nation, eventually becoming the nation through which the Messiah, the Christ, our Lord, comes to set all people free, bringing joy to the entire world. Our God is Alpha and Omega. Revelation 22 and verse 13, God says that he is coming soon and he is bringing his reward with him. He started the world, he will bring it to its end, and he sustains his plan from beginning to end. Our God is most high, El Elyon, which is in Genesis 14 and verse 18. God is worshipped by Abram after a battle. 
There's no way Abram could have won all the battles he did and had the size of family he did and the size of people that eventually became his outside of God being the most high, worthy of worship, worthy of praise, worthy of adoration. Abraham knows that the most high is what's required in all circumstances. No better description for our God than the God above gods, the king above all kings, and the Lord above all lords. El Elyon, God most high. When Abram is asked by God to bring his son Isaac to sacrifice on a mountain, Abram has faith that God will provide, and God does just that with a ram. That God allows Abram to to sacrifice instead of his son Isaac. There Abraham describes God as Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. Whatever your need is. Whatever your season of drought is. Whatever your struggle is. Whatever provision you are looking for. Jehovah Jireh. The God that we serve is the God who will provide For your need. He will sustain you. He will see you through. And he will bless you. Because that is who our God is. In Exodus 15. The Israelites are parched. And dehydrated and thirsty. But even more than that. They are thirsty at the core of their soul. And God says. I will satisfy your thirst. But I will also heal you. I am the Lord who heals. Exodus fifteen twenty six. I am Jehovah Rapha. God is great. He is mighty. He is almighty. He is most high. He is the Lord who will provide. He is the Lord who heals. He's the beginning and the end. He is the self-existent one. And we celebrate our God because of who he is. We find the same comfort in our God that the Israelites felt as a nomadic people wandering around the wilderness of Sinai for 40 years. We find the same comfort the Israelites felt when the temple is established and the dwelling place of God becomes permanent because that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, that same God can now dwell in broken vessels by the sacrifice of Christ. We celebrate God for who he is, but we celebrate him for what he has done for us through Jesus Christ the Son. I like Colossians two thirteen through 15 here. When you were dead in your sins, church, and that's some of you right now, some of you have not been baptized into Jesus Christ and had your pasts washed away. And right now you're dead in your trespasses and in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh. But it doesn't, that doesn't, discourage God. It's not a surprise to him. It doesn't cause him to retreat. Instead, he pursues you. And while you're dead in your sins, provides sacrifice for those sins. God made you and I who are in Christ alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it all away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, 
triumphing over them by the cross. God has done for us in Jesus Christ what we cannot do for ourselves. He has made us alive. Those of us who were once dead in our trespasses and sins can be made alive by Jesus Christ. And through him we can be forgiven of the sin and the debt we owe as a result of our sin and experience a life where we are no longer condemned and instead we are made victorious over anything that could come against us because Jesus has nailed it all to the cross of Calvary. How could we not be moved? How could we not be moved to praise the Lord? And we're moved to doxology, praise God, from whom all blessings flow. God has saved a marriage in this room. God has freed someone from addiction in this room. God has granted someone a second chance in this room. All creatures here below. God has healed a disease in this room. God has answered a prayer in this room. God has given comfort in a hard season in this room. All you creatures here below, praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. What God has done for us in Jesus Christ is worth praising him for and we gather together corporately to celebrate that i thought to myself at this point in the lesson how many of us celebrate the things in our life that we really love and some of those are really laughable we celebrate the national championship our favorite team won or we celebrate some individual that got elected to political office or some experience we've had in our career where we were recognized for some contribution we made. And if we're honest with ourselves, those are things we think about time and time and time again. And when we get with other people who can relate to those experiences, we can't help but talk about them. We can't help but celebrate. We can't help but be moved to feel cheer and joy at those things. How much more should we celebrate what God has done for us in Jesus Christ? So we celebrate. And we celebrate what God has done in us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. If anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. You're going to have to admit this, and I'm willing to in your presence. It feels really good to get something new. And I think often, and I'm using that phrase repeatedly here, I think, I think. I can't escape the thoughts that are in my own head. Often... We find value in getting new things that are really utterly valueless. A new house. Come on, now that does feel good. A new car. Maybe a new degree. Moving to a new town. But you know what we really should feel good about? <laughs> getting a brand new life. A brand new life. <laughs> 
Praise the Lord. Man, hallelujah. Hallelujah. A brand new life. So many things we value this side of heaven are temporary. But your new life in Jesus Christ, that's eternal. The new start you get in Jesus lasts past time. Our past can be erased. Our name can change from lost to found, from broken to healed, from a child of darkness to a child of light, from dead to alive. Hallelujah. (laughs) And our future can be hidden with the Lord Jesus Christ on high. Some of you under the sound of my voice need this fresh start desperately. You've never been baptized into Christ. You've never been given a new name. You've never been given a legitimate second chance and a fresh start. Some of you have been baptized into Christ decades ago and have fallen away. And you need to rededicate your life or even be baptized again because you realize you never had surrendered. The secret here is We don't celebrate only here together. We celebrate every day, every week, every month, every year who God is, what God has done for us, and what He has done in us. And if you are broken and need mended, if you're wounded, goes the song, and need healed, you can find that healing today. You can leave here from this place with something to celebrate. And I hope you don't miss that opportunity. Please bow with me while we pray. Precious Heavenly Father, uh, Your Word is so rich and true. It is so humbling to consider first the tabernacle. How incredible to have You dwelling in the midst of Your people after delivering them from 430 years of bondage. And then for the temple to be established and how majestic that would have been. How beautiful and ornate. And you finally had a place amongst your people. But God, through Jesus Christ, the veil of the temple has been torn. And now it is in our spirits that you dwell. The same spirit that resurrected Christ from the dead can live in broken, flawed people in communion and fellowship with you. God, we celebrate that. Some here have not known that precious union with you through Christ Jesus. I ask that those individuals be strengthened and emboldened to respond this morning. And some here are broken and have made a shipwreck of their faith. I ask that those also would be emboldened to respond and that they would leave here today with something to celebrate. We love you, God, and we thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Please stand with me while together we sing.